0: The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, chapter 14. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion them and cured their sick when it was evening the disciples came to him and said this is a deserted place and the hour is now late send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves Jesus said to them they need not go away You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said to them, he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. You may be seated. O gracious God, O gracious people, we gather and hear the stories, we remember, we breathe, and we share in the hope, in the joy, in the sorrows of life. Oh Lord, bless our gathering, bless our joining, and bless our hearts. Through your Holy Spirit we pray, Amen. It's a a poem from John O'Donohue for one who is exhausted. You have traveled too fast over a false ground. Now your soul has come to take you back. Take refuge in your senses. Open up to all the small miracle you rush through. Become inclined to watch the way the rain when it falls slow and free. Imitate the habit of twilight, taking time to open the well of color that fosters the brightness of day. Draw along the silence of stone until until its calmness can claim you. Be excessively gentle with yourselves from the book to bless the space between us. Sometimes in life, we rush. We feel so pressured to rush around and react and respond to a life that can be so harried. We make decisions without forethought rash and reactive to the situation when really we're just tired and we need comfort and rest and restoration. I can see a Monty Python skit with Jesus. (laughs) Bereaved around the death of John, the memory of the death of John and how it connects with Jesus. The story. He wanted to get away, perhaps fearing King Herod and his rashness. So, into a boat, Jesus goes quickly. And the crowd, seeing him, look at him. Oh, there he goes. He's going to do himself in. He's really scared. So they're following him, and Jesus is quickly rowing away on a boat, looking at the crowd, saying, can I not get a moment of silence? and quiet when I just can be by myself and the crowd follows him on the shore and he goes in the boat and finally the crowd ends up on the other side and Jesus sees him again. Both bereft in their sadness when the sadness could just teach him something. When my husband died I quit my two jobs, and I started a small job at a little hospital. I took my 401k out, and I lived off that, and I slowed down. I let myself feel the loss, and I cried. I took walks. I climbed mountains. I took trips. I swam in the ocean. I visited gravesides of family. I spread bear's ashes on Lake Michigan and bought him a plot and brought the stone to Chicago. Matthew depicted how popular John was and what qualities made him so absolutely amazing. He was unique, powerful, clear, unafraid to speak out what he believed. In Matthew 3, 4, now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all of the region along the Jordan, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Yet the placement of John in Matthew, was to shine a light on Jesus, so we can comprehend Jesus. Our text is not just, it's not a history text, but history is all around the text. They have history in the text. They have history behind the text. It's history in front of the text, what we bring to the text, the story of our faith, the story of the faith of generations. This text is a faith text. His own disciples were bereaved terribly after the death of John. The disciples took the body in Matthew 14:12 just before the reading we have and as we read in Matthew later, just like Joseph of Arimathea will do with Jesus' body Matthew 27, 57. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. This came just before Jesus got into Proverbial Boat. 14 begins with King Herod, who'd heard about Jesus and the mixed reports the people gave. Jesus was not liked in his hometown. And perhaps Herod heard complaints and rumors about this pesky Jesus. In Matthew 14, Herod said to his servants, this, as in Jesus, of whom he here reports, is John, the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. In Judaism, there was a belief in resurrection. And from this reason, these powers are at work in him. The king of Israel, Herod, was supposed to take care of the people. Herod. Herod. Oh, gosh. I tried this morning. Herod. Oh, well, there you go. This is just one text about Herod. I'm sure there are others. The Harper's Bible Dictionary. Well, there's a family of Herod's. The family of, the name of a family of Idiomean origin with strong connections with the Roman government. Who, from the time of Queen Alexandria, 76 to 67 BC, became centrally involved in the affairs of the Jewish state. Members of the family, Herod, under a variety of titles, governed Palestine and adjacent areas from 55 B.C. until near the close of the 1st century A.D. The name Herod is Greek and originated with a shadowy ancestor about whom, even in antiquity, little was known. Two ancient traditions make him either a descendant of a notable Jewish family with a lineage traceable to the Babylonian exile, or a slave in the temple of Apollo in the Philistine city of Ashkelon, neither can be proved. Well, maybe there's somebody that is looking at it. Herod's father, also named Antipater, was by all accounts not only a skilled soldier, but a shrewd politician and diplomat. His successful intervention in favor of Hyrcanes II, in the later struggle for supremacy with his brother Aristopolis, coupled with the outstanding service he rendered to Pompey and Julius Caesar in their campaigns, earned him Roman citizenship and the post of a procurator of Judea, granted by Caesar in 47 BC. We know in our text, Herod's birthday came. The daughter of Herodias danced before the company, and she pleased Herod so that he promised an oath to grant her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. The king was grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and they had John beheaded in prison. The head was brought on a platter, and given to the girl who brought it to her mother, his disciples came and took the body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. I think we're seeing a human Jesus getting into the boat, petrified, Am I going to die in vain? How am I going to die? How is my family going to handle it? How are my disciples going to deal with it? Who am I? This story. The king is not supposed to be selfish and politically motivated for only his power. And the prophet is supposed to advise, to highlight, to remind Herod, He was there for the people, and the unlawful marriage was criticized. The jealous Herodias, who didn't like being criticized and challenged their relationship. John was a check and balance. As king, God sees you, Herod. You are seen and watched. John dared to speak against the activities of the clan. This is a powerful relationship of the prophet and the king. The check and balances. Jesus has taken up the way, and John was killed. So Jesus, unsure, bound in John. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, he came up out of the water, and suddenly the heavens were opened up to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus, recognized as king, like David, conflicted, perhaps. How am I going to do this, Messiah? How am I going to free my people from oppression? Contrast king, feeding, Jesus is feeding, healing the flock. He starts again as he has compassion for the people. They finally, with Jesus, face the sorrow. Sore and hungry, the disciples say, send them away. You feed them. Jesus said ho oh, everyone who thirsts come to the waters you that have no money come by eat come buy wine and milk without money and without price listen carefully to me and eat What is good? Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. Our consumption is what? What are we consumed with? What are we consumed by? What are we eating? Sometimes I can go through a dozen donuts. Well, I love mini donuts, I just ate them. (laughs) What are we consuming? What do we need more of, food or wisdom? What do we eat, trash? Perhaps with wisdom we could eat better. This is a funeral service, my interpretation. Their own, in exile, under occupation, lost, afraid, hungry, in great need. Jesus tells them to sit down, look at each other, Breathe and relax, look at the grass, look at your eyes, see how beautiful the girl is. I've been on mountains, I don't know. I try to bring some food with me. The women are not gonna leave home without some food. (laughs) Remember one another a moral imperative, political will, feed one another, share what you have and give, find the abundance within yourself, the beauty. Jesus reminded his disciples that you have everything you need. God has already given it to you. You feed them. I feed. You feed. We all feed. Feed one another. See what we're doing for one another already. Celebrate it. Grieve together. Recognize. Recognize God's presence inside. Before the text the text, in front of the text, within the community, we are beloved. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.